This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The city of Stockton, California, is testing the idea of universal basic income with some of its citizens. Over an 18-month period, they are providing to 125 residents $500 a month to see how those payments change their lives. Now, it's not a new concept, having been used in other parts of the world before, but it's also drawing attention right now as one of the policy ideas of Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Stockton, by the way, is noteworthy since it is a town that has gone through a bank bankruptcy process. And it is also the subject of a research project by Amy Castro-Baker, who's an assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania School of Social Policy and Practice, and also Stacia Martin-West, who's an assistant professor at the University of Tennessee's College of Social Work. Amy joins me in studio. Stacia is on the phone. Amy, good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for having us. Stacia, great to have you with us. Yes, thanks for having us. So, Stacia, how did this idea come about in the first place to to look specifically at this idea with Stockton, California? Sure. So um, a, a group called the Economic Security Project um, was interested in piloting a universal basic income or what we call a guaranteed income program somewhere in the United States. And then Mayor Michael Tubbs, who is out in Stockton, California, um, was also looking for innovative ways to address poverty in the city, especially given that they had you know, such issues with the bankruptcy and also a pretty high poverty rate. So those two outfits kind of came together and got in contact with Amy and I um, to plan out this demonstration and to just test a new policy idea. And so I guess, Amy, take us through uh, how you came to some of the picking 125 people, getting it it is $500 a month. How did that all come, come about? Yeah. So, you know, the number of 125 was chosen, you know, by the mayor's team and by the by the seed team. Um, as far as the $500 goes, the logic behind that is that, you know, give or take, most Americans can't afford a $400 emergency. And so what we're looking at with the 500 is to see if we smooth that income volatility, meaning your unpredictability in your finances. Um, does that free people up for stronger health outcomes, better um, working conditions, that type of thing? Stacia, uh, the, the numbers uh, in, in terms of Stockton, California, when you look at that local economy, in regards to the remainder of the state, this is a, a town and a region that is still significantly lower than than what the state averages are in a lot of different sectors. Absolutely. And so if we look at Stockton and then compare it to even other cities in the Midwest or in the Northeast, it's kind of a bellwether for other other economic issues that we've had remaining from the recession. So while we're testing in Stockton, if we look at the diversity there in terms of income, in terms of ethnicity and race, um, what we would imagine is that we'll be able to extend some of those outcomes to other places that have similar economic problems. What about the data, at least, and we're about a year into the process, Amy, and still, what, about another six to seven months left to go on this, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, in terms of payments, yeah, another six or seven months. So do we know at this point how these people are using these funds over the course of the months that have been in play to this point? Yeah, I mean, we actually released uh, our you know first round of spending data in October, uh, and what people are able to see when they when they go to our dashboard is they're able to see how the money is spent in the aggregate. So each month, uh, the money is given to recipients on a preloaded debit cards that that reloads each month. And so if you go to the dashboard, you can actually see pie charts of how people are using the five hundred dollars on the debit card. Um, now, importantly, not all of the money we're not tracking the money. We're not asking for receipts. You know, we're not, we're not sort of 
needling in and trying to figure out exactly how people are spending each dollar. Rather, it's about seeing you know how rational people are with the money. And what we're learning is that people know how to stretch these funds, and they know how to stretch them really well. Uh, if you want, Stacia probably has the numbers in front of her, actually, as to Stacia, what that looks like. Stacia, go ahead. We're just committed to memory at this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's around um, 40% of the funds are spent um, on food, so supermarkets, grocery stores, restaurants, that sort of thing. 25% are spent on sales and merchandise, and that includes um, big box stores like Walmart and Target and that sort of thing. So we would imagine a good portion of that 25% is also spent on food. Then we have about 9% that's spent on uh, fuel and auto care and kind of goes on down from there. But those major categories of um, food and merchandise remain constant um, across where we've been tracking from June until December. So what was the criteria, Stacia, of picking those people? Sure. So um, we looked at uh, individuals, residences um, that are located in census tracts or neighborhoods at or below the area and media income, which is about $46,000 in Stockton. So you could be a higher income person making, say, $90,000 a year, but happen to live in a neighborhood where the median is 45000 You would still have an equal chance of being selected. So we randomly selected addresses. We sent out mailers and asked people to respond to an online survey. Of those folks that did, we then randomly um, assign them into either a treatment condition of receiving the 500 or a control condition, which is filling out a lot of surveys and not receiving the 500. The idea of UBI, universal basic income, as I mentioned, it's been it's been used and tested in other parts of the world. Why do you think that and then maybe, Amy, we haven't seen it really driven home and, and, and tested more significantly here in the United States? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think because the idea of of UBI or guaranteed income, you know, it really flies in the face of the way that we normally think about the market, right? So um, what it says is that you are worthy of a floor, that we do not want you to fall beneath. That's kind of the basic idea behind it. Um, And that's not typically how we think about the safety net or how we think about the market here in the U.S. And, you know, the question that we get a lot is why now? You know, we've been talking about this, you know, in the the U.S. for decades. You know, this is not new. This was not birthed out of Silicon Valley 10 years ago ago or five years ago or five months ago. Like this is something that people have been working on for a really, really long time. So, you know, the question of why is is really, I think, tied to the recession um, and sort of the fact that people have not recovered yet. Um, and in, from a research perspective, we really don't know yet who it works best for and how. And that's really what we want to see is we, we want to have policy proposals that are rooted in evidence, that are rooted, you know, in empiricism before we start scaling something out when we don't exactly know yet how well it works and what it may or may not do, you know, with things like employment. Stacia, your thoughts? Sure. Um, you know, we talk about UBI as an idea whose, whose time has come, and I absolutely agree with Amy that, you know, we saw this very slow recovery after the recession, and then we also know that some of the social safety net um, programs that we have in place are not being accessed by the people that need them most, and we also know that they um, tend to control spending and not allow folks to make decisions about what works best for their family. And so I think in many ways, the American dream has been threatened, right, especially by this upcoming generation where we have a situation where this generation will not do as well as their grandparents and, in fact, have not. And so we have to look at new policy solutions to address the new economy. So, Stacia, if if UBI or uh, uh, universal basic income was in place, some sort of program was in place, the goal of having that would end up being what in, in regards to the people that it would be impacting? 
Sure. So I think the goals are different based on the population, and that's part of the important work that a number of research teams are doing across the U.S. As Amy said, we kind of don't know who it works for and, and how it works. But I think ultimately what we're looking for is some sort of income floor that people cannot fall below, such that there is a real chance for upward economic mobility. Amy? Amy? Yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing I'd add to that is that we're thinking about, you know, the other reason we're looking at this in Stockton is because it's a good bellwether for housing. So, you know, Stockton not just was hit by bankruptcy, but it was also the epicenter of the foreclosure crisis. I mean, yeah. it's one of the places where, you know, we saw, you know, what we often say is the worst capitalism has to offer. And so the idea of kind of piloting, you know, a strong, progressive, you know, anti-poverty intervention in the same space and place where, you know, the housing crisis hits so, so you know, acutely um, is key to figuring out, you know, it's not just the fact that we have income volatility. uh, It's also the fact that we have a housing crisis. So pairing those two things together in that space um, can help us hopefully come up with some stronger ideas that can move us forward. I would think the other part to this is also trying to figure out the impact of UBI, but also how big of a scale a UBI program could potentially get at some point down the road, whether you're looking at just you know, a city here, a city there, or if you're looking at a county, or if you're looking at a state. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really great point. You know, and, that, and that's, you know, the beauty of the position that we're in as researchers is that we're able to look really deeply at the 125 people that we are working with, along with those in the control group, to figure out specifically, you know, which demographics benefit and how before we start spending money, you know, across an entire state, across an entire county, you know, to make sure that we're doing things not only in an efficient manner, but in a just manner. What are the next steps in, in, in the research, station? As I said, I know you've got about six to seven months left before you wrap up this program. Sure. So we continue to collect collect data, and the disbursements will end in uh, this July. We'll continue to collect data through December. Uh, So we look forward to publishing some results perhaps uh, next January and then uh, with a final report in in July of 2021. What has been the reaction uh, of the leadership there in Stockton? Obviously, you said you had the support of the mayor there already, but what has been the reaction in Stockton to this program so far, Stacia? So uh, the SEED program itself is not only implementing um, the Guaranteed Income Program, but is also doing a lot of community engagement to understand how folks, uh, not just leadership, but just everyday folks, are responding to this idea of guaranteed income. And I think um, Stockton is a city on the rise. They're very excited about it. Certainly, um, there are concerns, right, whenever it first launched. uh, But SEED was very intentional about uh, engaging the community, figuring out, you know, how should we sample? How should we choose who these 125 folks are? And I think that level of community engagement has helped Stockton feel um, like this is their project. Well, for people that that are are listening to this and don't know Mm -hmm. a lot about Stockton then, Amy, Mm -hmm. what is the economy of Stockton, California like in, in general these days? Ooh, that's that's a good question. You know, what we see are, you know, the pressures of the Bay Area and the expense of the Bay Area being pushed and squeezed onto Stockton, which then kind of, you know, meets the Central Valley, you know, which is, you know, largely, you know, farming, you know, economy in that space. So what we often, you know, see, not just in the sample, but locally, are people who are feeling the squeeze of the housing market in the Bay and even people who are super commuting for shift work all the way to San Francisco and Oakland. So that's really why, you know, you know, minutes ago, Stacia had mentioned that it really is a bellwether, and and that's really what what we're seeing as well. Great having you here in the studio. Thank you, Amy, for coming. Stacia, congratulations on the work. We look forward to talking to you. Maybe we can get you guys back uh, next January to give us a recap. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Amy Castro-Baker from here at the University of Pennsylvania in studio. Stacia Martin-West at the University of Tennessee joining us on the phone. 
For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.